Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of and saved himself there not once nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will ye not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha. Everybody say the prophet. The prophet that is in Israel telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, go and spy where he is that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him saying, behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses, chariots, and a great, everybody say a great host. And they came by what? Night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early, gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servants said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not for they that be with us are more than they that be with them and the prophet Elisha prayed and said Lord I pray thee open his eyes that he may see and the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw behold the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. I'm going to preach to this precious church today from this thought, strategic warfare. Strategic warfare. Would you put your Bibles down, lift your hands with me. Let's ask this holy God to touch us. Father, we have felt your presence throughout this service this morning. God, we know that you're here, that you're here to manifest yourself. God, I bind every spirit of doubt, fear, confusion, every spirit that exalts itself above your knowledge. I take authority over, God, every spirit that would try to hinder the moving of your spirit. Lord, move in this house, God. We speak faith, understanding. Let the Holy Ghost have its way, Lord, and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Would you clap your hands? Would you lift up your voice above that hand clap? Come on, let's give him some high praise in this 
Hallelujah. I think hell was expecting that. Could you do that just a little bit louder today? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. You may be seated. There is always conflict that comes with progress. If you take a step for God, you are going to be challenged. Your faith is going to be challenged. What I've learned over the last few years, certainly not 105 years worth of knowledge, but over the last few years I have learned if we will learn to engage in spiritual warfare when Satan attacks, we will find he will unknowingly advance the very purpose he had hoped to hinder. We must understand that God desires to do great things in our life. When Paul spoke to the Corinthian church, he said, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden or hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Every tactic the enemy has advances the will of God. Can you testify today that some of you through the struggle, you learned a new depth of prayer. You learned a, you learned a new depth of worship that it brought something a little bit more powerful in your life. It is extremely important that we handle spiritual warfare right. Paul said it. He said, I therefore so run, not uncertainly, so fight, not as one that beateth the air. We must be strategic in our warfare. We must be calculated. We must be deliberate. We must not run aimlessly, and we must certainly not fight the enemy and just beat against the air with, without any intentions. Can I tell this church that though methods are good, methods are never, are never to be stronger than the message, but the message is always to be stronger than the method. We've got to strategically place our minds around that you're not going to outthink the devil. You're not going to outthink the devil. You're not going to outanalyze him that the only way you get through this thing is to outlast him. And understand that you can't waste your time fighting on the level that he desires you to fight. The prophet said that God's people were destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Can I tell you what we are fighting in this generation is not such a strong spirit that it has enticed us or it has swayed us but what we are fighting is uh, that we are fighting the spirit of ignorance the only way Satan gets an advantage over you is if you are ignorant to his 
devices. Our ignorance has always been Satan's advantage. Listen to me this morning. Please listen and allow your faith to be connected to mine today. We are not some passive, limp-wristed, powerless church that gets pushed around by every devil that decides to show up. I want you to understand this morning that the devil's not co-equal to God. Isaiah said, I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee and thou, thou hast known me. Can I tell somebody in this building that we have a God that is greater Y'all going to give me the good old denominal head nod this morning. I'm telling you, we serve a God that is greater. Jesus said, I will make thy enemies your footstool. Now, this is so deep. I went to Bible school to learn this. A footstool is a piece of furniture or a support used to elevate. Hell has all, or God has always intended for hell to elevate what God was pushing. Can I tell somebody in this building there is no greater a testimony that when uncompromised worship steps in into a building that says, yeah, everything's not been that good and everything's not went our way, but our worship's not going to be compromised by what we've been going through. Come on, you want to know where I learned my faith? I'll tell you where I learned my faith. When cancer was eating my grandmother's body up and I watched her walk through the halls, tears running down my face and sitting and wondering what in the world is she going to do? And I would hear her make statements like this, Oh God, you'll heal me down here, but if you don't, I know you're going to heal me up there. Come on, can I tell somebody in this building, there's got to be some kind of tenacity. There's got to be some kind of endurance. There's got to be some kind of mindset that we say the enemy's going to elevate us. Would you clap your hands to Jesus? The conflict that you have been fighting is the very thing that God wants to elevate you with. God has always been the defense, but God's church is always supposed to have been the offense. Revival's not just going to show up in this building. God has called us to possess the land. In fact, Jesus said it like this, I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and somebody shout, the gates of hell. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Gates don't move. We are to possess the gates. John the Baptist said, until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, but the violent taketh by force. Can I tell somebody in this building, some of you got to quit being the whooping stick for your past and for what has not happened in your life. And there is a prophetic spirit that is trying to slip into this church. I can feel the presence of it, but I'm going to be honest with you tonight. I'm going back to Louisiana here Monday. I want you to be, I'm going to be honest with you this morning that there is a prophetic spirit that's in this place. 
place. But there is also a spirit of unbelief that the presence of God has been trying to lift up a standard against it. Can I tell you, you have not survived 105 years because you are insignificant. You have survived 105 years because God planned it. Come on, there's an anointing trying to sweep over this place. I said there's an anointing trying to sweep over this place. It's time to take the gates. It's time to take it by force. I pastor a great church, a spiritual church. We pray. We pray a lot. We pray 24 hours a day around the clock. We pray. We believe in it. But I have found that we must not focus on the overwhelming spirits of darkness that try to intimidate us. That's not being spiritual. That's giving hell an advantage. It's not being spiritual that you can sniff out every devil. Being spiritual is knowing that you've got the power over every devil. I was talking to a man of God the other day and he told me, he said, Nathan, you're living in a dream world. I, 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 I looked at him, or I was on the phone, I was thinking, a dream world? Dude, I've been pastoring. There's no dreams in here's nightmares. <laughs> oh, good nightmares. I forgot we're live. Be sharing it to our church. But nightmares. I mean, I mean, what do you mean I'm living a dream? I'm a realist. He said, Nathan, he said, you think that one day you're going to have such a move of God that the Jezebel spirit's going to blow out of your church and it's never coming back. He said, that's not how it operates. He said, as long as the church is around, there's going to be a Jezebel spirit. In fact, if you were to look, you'll find that the end time church will have to deal with the Jezebel spirit. He said, what you have got to know and understand is that when you get victory over it, it might be in your presence, but it'll never have your attention. It can't control you. And I think the wrong things have controlled the church. We've allowed the enemy to slip in, and we think he's got more power than we've got. What do you think the apostle meant when he said greater? Am I, am I here today? Greater is he that is in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than what is going on around you. Because the enemy understands that if you can ever come to terms, that the reason why our God is invisible is because he's covering everything that we can see. What you've got to understand in this place today is we've got a God that can do anything at any time we got a real enemy but let me talk about him just a few moments but understand that your enemy's power to tempt you is limited listen to the Bible listen to what Paul said he said therefore hath no temptation taken you but such as common to man but God is faithful oh, y'all should have run swung from this y'all ain't got fans 
you should have swung for something because God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Someone say God is faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful in every aspect of my life. He's faithful when he answers the prayer. He's faithful when he doesn't answer the prayer. Come on, is there anybody that believes God is faithful? See, what you got to realize is Satan despises God and he hates anything that receives God's affection. Satan resents anything God loves. He opposes you because you are a potential source of the ple or pleasure to God. That's what you were created. Everything was created for his pleasures. Satan's main purpose of warfare is to pain God's heart, to insult him, to deceive what is most precious to him. The devil wants you to grieve God's heart by doubting his integrity. But this God that we serve, he's not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Half he said, shall he not do it? Half he spoken, shall he not make it good? Can I tell somebody in this building, Satan wants to abort the arrival of any miracle that would bring glory to God. He wants to paralyze your plan, abort your dreams, and dilute your hope. But I've come to testify that we've got a God that is faithful. Come on, somebody shout, he's faithful. Come on, would you lift your hands and shout, he's faithful to me. Your praise is a testimony that God is faithful. Your worship is a testimony that God is faithful. You praying is a testimony that God is faithful. Realize it or not, you being here this morning is a testimony that you believe God he is faithful. Can we shake the rust off and allow God to be God in this place today? Apostle Peter told us to be sober, be vigilant, because the adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Two things, as a roaring lion. He is a classic, he is in classic deception mode, trying to intimidate you, making you believe he's got more power than what he's got, whom he may devour. The only way he gets you is if you allow him to. Twelve spies come back from the promised land and gave their report. Listen to the report. The report of the land was just like God said it was. To the T. But the people that dwell there are stronger. Cities are walled and very great. And gave them a report of all their enemies. When they scouted out the land, they looked, they didn't just look for the promises. No, what they looked at was the enemy. The problem was the opposition to them was bigger than the promise. It's amazing that God described the land perfectly. He described the land perfectly. He described the land perfectly, but didn't tell them about one giant. Why? 
Why did he not tell them about the giant? Because the giant didn't matter. God speaks promises. He never tells you what you will defeat. He only tells you what you will receive. God doesn't want us to look at the enemy, but he wants us to look at the promise. The Bible says Caleb stilled the people and said, let us go up at once and possess the land for we are well able to overcome it. And their outlook was the enemy was giants and they were but grasshoppers. They were ready to make a new captain and go back to Egypt. But Joshua and Caleb again stood up and they said, they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying the land which was Pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the land delight in us, then he will bring us into this land. Give it us a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us, and their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear not. And the Bible said it wasn't a negative report, it was an evil report because the spirit of unbelief, the spirit of doubt. Do you realize the book of Jude? I don't have time to get in this. But the book of Jude tells us that there's not only an unbelief that stops God, but there's an unbelief that God destroys. God will destroy the spirit of unbelief that has gotten a hold of people that he has performed miracles for. If God's ever done anything in your life and unbelief comes up and raises its head back in your life, you better destroy that spirit before God destroys you because God wants us to remember that he is still large and in charge. Come on, I know that's a cliche that anything over our head is still under his feet, but can I tell somebody in this building, you gotta get rid of the unbelief. If God's ever done something for you, he can do it again. David fought Goliath. He didn't use Saul's armor. Not one time did David refer to Goliath as a giant. He was just an uncircumcised Philistine. David was telling him he had no right to God's protection. Remember, we are the offense of God, and God is our defense. And David ran to him in the name of the Lord because he believed the name of the Lord was bigger than Goliath's stature. He believed that the name of the Lord was bigger bigger than sickness and addiction and depression. Somebody shout Jesus. Can I tell somebody in this building today that his name is still greater and his blood is still more powerful. There is nothing outside the reach of his church. So that brings me to our text today. Our text is a great text. I've preached from this. I can't tell you how many times. Almost as much as I've preached the message when hell hangs itself. This is a setting. And the beginning of that scripture started with then. What caused then? It was that the people have went to the, went to the prophet and said, this, this is too small. We got to go take some ground. Elijah looked at him and said, yeah, let's go build 
those men began to go chop trees down. And you know the story. One of the men got zealous and began to chop tree down. And he broke the axe head. And the axe head went into the water and sunk. And he was afraid because the power to grow, the power to clear, the power to advance, it didn't belong to him. That axe wasn't his. And he knew he was going to have to give an account for that axe. Are you there? So he gets the prophet and tells him what's happened. This isn't mine. And I'm, I, I borrowed that. And the man of God threw a stick of wood into that water. And the Bible said that that axe head began to swim. What you don't understand about this church, though it's built with many personalities. Some of you have multiple. I'll get that tomorrow. My wife asked me the day about somebody. She said, I think he might be a hair bipolar. I said, aren't we all? You, me, we all. But that prophet understood something in this church that I'm preaching to today. You've exhausted your resources over time. What you do in missions is incredible. How you've shared the bishop with the world is incredible. And there is a growing spirit. A spirit that has over, over, over uh, has moved over this church to possess new territory. It's a prophetic word. And the prophetic always unites the tool to what God is going to use to create the advancement. And when it looked broken, the man of God threw. And wouldn't it have been, wouldn't the story would have made more sense if the, the wood would have found the axe head? But the head began to swim. Come on, I'm telling you, there's a faith to start new things. <laughs> and there's going to be anointing that connects it with the old prophetic word and revelation that has been spoken over this church. It's a new thing, but it's an old prophecy. And when the enemy saw when the enemy saw, I hope I'm making sense right now. And when the enemy saw that the people of God was advancing, they said, then the king of Syria warred against them. Anybody ever, some of you feel like you're in a war right now. You've told people you've gotten over things you haven't gotten over. And I tell you, I'm not here to abuse that statement. I'm here to cheer you on for an affirmation of faith. Because your praise don't say that you still don't believe. But in the deep seat of your mind, you're wondering, am I wasting my time? Not all tradition's bad. <laughs> that tradition that made you put one foot in front of the other to get here this morning... 
That's a good tradition. Oh, God, I feel, I feel my help right now. I feel the anointing of the Lord. I feel a prophetic spirit upon this service right now. So what did the king, what did the king do? The king did a tactic that he thought the people of God would fall for. And he would send to the camp. He would send a letter to the camp and say, I'm gonna, we're going to fight here. Meet us here. Meet us here. But every time he would send the letter from the outside, they would hold on to it for a little bit for a letter to come from the inside. See, what you don't realize, it doesn't matter what's going on on the outside. Because what God has spoken is on the inside to us. And that, that, that letter of deception came from the outside, but a letter of revelation came from the inside. And he would tell them, no, 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 they're trying to deceive you. They're trying to deceive you. And the enemy was trying to do two deceptions. The first thing he was trying to get them to do was to fight a battle somewhere it wasn't. And can I tell somebody in this building, we don't fight individual, uh, in, invisible battles. We don't fight battles on the devil's turf we don't fight the battle where the enemy wants us to fight can I tell some of you some of you are blaming people and it's not people some of you are blaming circumstances it's not circumstances because the great bishop got up here and said it so well we know some things work to we know almost all things no 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 we know all things work to, together for the good to them that love God and are they called according to his purpose can I tell somebody in this building you got to make your mind up you're not going to fight it with the win a battle somewhere it's not you're not going to put the emphasis on where the enemy wants you to fight come on you want to know what the, what the prophet said don't go fight them there they're not there it's an ambush they're really over here and the second thing he wanted them to do was be predictable how many of you been fighting the same battle in your family why don't you try a new attitude why don't you try a new way oh this thing's been haunting me somebody told me the other day pastor I've been fighting this thing for 40 years I said man that's good to know because now you know 40 years of things that haven't worked try something new Because the truth of the matter is you got to make your mind up that you're not going to be predictable. See, some of you, it just takes one sentence to lock your praise up. It just takes the right person to call you to lock your praise up. You want to know what? There's things that happen in our church, and you can ask my wife and I. We'll smile at each other because we'll say, my God, this weekend's about to be good. That's an old tactic that points to a good revival. Come on, I'm telling you, we're not predictable people. Things that make people quit make us pray things that makes people be silent make us worship we are not predictable you think come on somebody you out there right now I'm fixing to be greater than what my circumstances said I know you don't believe it I know you don't believe this what I'm about to say but I'm fixing to quit how long have I been preaching oh it's still it's still been a little ways I thought I'd been preaching short. So what do they do? The enemy, the, the prophet would send and they would find out that the enemy was lying 
and they would go cut them off and destroy them. It didn't happen once. It didn't happen twice. It happened at least three times. Till the enemy finally says, what in the world is going on? And he's like, who in the world is betraying me? Y'all there? Who's betraying me? That one dude, you know, every office staff's got him. He's like, it's not anybody here, Lord. It's not anybody here, old king. But there's a prophet in Israel. He knows what you speak in your bedchamber. You think you hear the voice of the enemy. Ain't nothing the enemy has done that caught God unaware. He hears the voice. And they said, you know what? We got to go get one man. So he puts the plan out. He says, gets, gets horses and chariots, a great host of army. And he not only does that, but he gets them to go at night. Now, your imagination probably don't work like mine. You didn't watch cartoons when you were a kid. Oh, God. They're out there oiling the wheels, duct taping the mouth if they had duct tape for the horses to make sure they didn't say nothing. They got their face painted. They've got leaves on, and they're running at night. Why at night? Because they knew that the only way to win this thing was to get into position before the prophetic woke up. Sometimes the enemy fights for the first position. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. So they get in a position, and man, the man of God's servant gets up. He goes, puts his cure egg on. He's got his coffee ready, and he walks out down the driveway to get the dope in times. And when he grabs the paper and looks up, he sees nothing but the enemy all around. And the Bible said his heart was faint. It was, he was messed up, and he wakes the man of God up. Siri, stop. He wakes the man of God up. Can you see this? He wakes him up. He says, what are we going to do? And the man of God steps up. And he doesn't see what his servant saw. Because he wasn't looking on the level of his servant. He was looking above Oh, God, you ain't hearing me right now. See, see, some of you just need a level test. If all you're seeing is the enemy, you're looking at the wrong level. Y'all want me to preach old school just a little bit? What about Job? Job looked in front, he looked in back, he looked to the left, he looked to the right, and he did not see God, but he never looked up. God have mercy. Come on, somebody. He never, the Bible said, lift up your head for your redemption draweth. Now look unto the hills from which you've got to make your mind up. I'm looking above. 
And can I tell you, can I tell you, when the devil says this church has got its head in the clouds, he's absolutely right because I believe that this might be a small town, but there's no small revival here. I believe that this might look like small, but this is where God does his best work. Somebody say, look up. Come on, somebody say, look up. Somebody, somebody say, look up. I'm hurrying. Come on, musicians. It amazes me. It amazes me. It amazes me that when the Bible says the enemy wanted to tempt Job, the Lord asked Satan, where have you been? And he said, I've been walking, what, to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for somebody. But I believe it's 2 Chronicles somewhere that says that the eyes of the Lord, they run to and fro. And if you read that scripture too, too, uh, too quickly, you will, you will lose the revelation. Because what it's telling you is God never leaves his position to check on his people. While hell is walking, God is, his eyes are running Brother Mangan pastors, he told me this story. He pastors in Alexandria, and he told me that he had a man that come in, needed a man and his wife come in, they needed some help. And he said, they walked in, they said, Pastor, my son just got arrested. The court's not going to be lenient onto him. He's looking at he's looking at 20 plus years in jail. He said, I walked into work. They've laid me off of a job that I've had for years. He said, we don't even have money right now to buy groceries. Brother Mangan got him some groceries, helped him pay some bills, told him he's praying for him. He walked out. He said, two months later, he had a meeting, saw on his schedule, had a meeting with the same man. He said, this time, he said, he heard the man where his office is to walk into their office. you got to walk by the window of his office. And he said, he said, I could hear the man whistling when he was walking in. He, he had a little groove. He said him and his wife walked in and he said, Pastor, I want you to know God's on the throne. He said, my boy, my boy, the judge let him off and he's at a rehab right now. And he said, I've got a job making more money than I've ever made. He said, God's on the throne. And Brother Mangan said, I jumped across my desk. And he said, I looked that man in the eye and I grabbed him. And he said, I said, God was on the throne when you didn't have no groceries. And God was on the throne when your boy was in jail. See, some of you are looking around saying, oh, God, look at the circumstances of my life. I got a word for you right now. It's time to change the level of what you're looking at. You see, oh, I see a miracle. I should have sent this picture. I should have sent this picture to the media staff. I started to. I do it everywhere I go. I don't know why I didn't do it here. I got a lady in our church. We picked her son up for seven years on the bus route. Seven years on the bus route. One Sunday morning, I walked in and I saw this frail lady look like death sitting about four rows back and and I looked at her all during service thinking, who in the world? Because I, I, I usually know most people. And I'm 
thinking, who in the world? So right after church, I made a beeline and went and shook her hand. And I looked at her and I realized when I got real close to her, this is Chris's mom. What happened? And I'm sitting there talking and she had, she had been an alcoholic her whole life almost. She had cirrhosis of the liver. Just months to live. We prayed for her. Didn't feel nothing. Never prayed for nothing. Never prayed for somebody didn't feel nothing. She come back the next service and, and she come back the next service and every service she was coming back her color was changing and I, I know you're not supposed to say this to ladies but she was putting on a little weight and she would sit down and she would sit down and, 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 and I'm talking about a year she just coming just coming just coming she was still having to go to the doctor they were taking fluid he didn't know what was going on I don't know how you're living I don't know how you're surviving until one day she went and the doctor looked at her and said look there's nothing wrong with you we picked her boy up for seven years and people would say that's seven years of a wasted seed but let me tell you something now she drives the bus that picked her boy up for seven years Seven-year harvest to get a to get a van driver, but I'll take it. <laughs> Y'all bullshit. Listen, I, I'm I'm twisted right now. I'm messed up right now because I feel a, I feel such a divide between faith, pain and faith. That's not bad. Don't, I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to hurt you, but I feel such a divide right now in my spirit. And I can feel some of you, you, you feel like you're on your last praise or your last prayer or your last breath. You don't know where to turn. You don't know what to do. Your question, was this the right decision? Can I tell somebody you made the right one? You've walked in this place. You ain't been perfect, but you walked in this place with a prophetic word. There's 105 years of prophecy that's about to line up for this church. 105 years worth of words and some of you thought they had already been fulfilled but God's fixing to show you what you saw was just a small measure of what he was going to do 105 years oh I feel it right now Come on, I feel I'm sorry, but I feel something so prophetic upon this church. I feel the hand of God covering this place right now. There's there's miracles already happening in this church. I've heard testimonies. But I'm going to tell you, the greatest miracles of this church's history are going to begin before this year closes out. My God, I feel a spirit of prayer sweeping over this place right now. What would you do if you knew God would restore you right now? How would you pray? 
if you knew God would restore you right now, what what would you do? He come I will open these altars right now for for a restoration of your life, for a restoration of your family. Come on, there's something supernatural moving right now. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com. Set your